Good evening. Tonight's uh, portion of scripture comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, beginning in verse 28 through the end of the chapter. The Bible states, Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I hate to wait, don't you? Sitting in chairs like the one on the screen behind me or beside me if you're watching us on live stream. I didn't realize until recently that the, the picture is usually right there or right there when, when somebody's preaching on live stream. But you see those chairs and you think, I don't want to sit in those chairs. I don't want to have to wait. I don't want to have to be patient because it's just difficult to do. The Bible tells us that one of the essential courses in the school of faith is to wait on God. It's essential. He rarely moves as quickly as we would like. And when you think about waiting, and you think specifically about waiting on God, I've got a lot of things in mind. So here are some suggestions, things we might need to wait for. A relationship to be mended or restored You ever had to wait on that? You're waiting on God. You're waiting on someone else to make things right. It's just tough to wait. It's heart-wrenching. It's emotional to have to do that. Or maybe you're waiting on an answer to prayer. Something that you've been praying about and you've been talking to God about and you know that this is something that's good and yet for whatever reason the answer seems to be delayed. Or maybe the answer is different from what we expected. Or maybe we need to wait on a loved one to obey the gospel. Or alternatively, waiting on a loved one who's astray to return to God. That's hard. And I hear people all the time asking questions, not just of me, but of others. How do you do that? How do you navigate a relationship when someone is astray, when someone is refusing to obey God? How are we supposed to conduct ourselves? And what are we supposed to do in the interim? Because if it's up to me, I'd like to hurry him up. I'd like, to, I'd like to push a few buttons and say a few things and just get them to do what's right. And that's not the way people work, and that's certainly not the way life works. Waiting, it's tough. The fulfillment of a promise. God has made hundreds of promises in his word. And in every single case, somebody had to wait including you and me. God's made promises to us, and yet we still have to wait on many of the promises that God has made. By the way, that's what faith is. Faith is taking the promise that God made and saying, I'm going to make my plans and live my life according to that promise. That's what faith is all about. God promises to save us. God promises to bless us. God promises to spend eternity with us. Faith is taking God at his word and believing his promises. Maybe we got to wait on the end of a pandemic. Yes, I knew you thought that was coming. It is. It's really hard to do, isn't it? 
If you'd asked me back in March, when is all this going to be over? I heard a frequent response. It's going to be over by November, November 4th. A lot of people said kind of cynically. And yet here we are. And it's getting worse, not better in some places. The end of a pandemic. Still things are necessary in order to be safe, in order to be wise. You think about waiting on God. The second coming of Christ. God has promised that he's coming back. Jesus said, I'm going to return and receive you again to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. John 14, verses 1 through 3. And even then, we're still waiting after 2,000 years for Jesus to come back. So when you think about waiting on God, all this and much more can be included on that list. And what I want us to do for a few moments tonight is just think about this idea of waiting on God. And I'd like for us, first of all, to consider... Why waiting happens. My suggestion to you this evening, I know that many of you take notes, is don't try to write down everything on the screen, okay? You're going to get writer's cramp, I promise you, especially under this first point. But do jot down some things that may be especially meaningful to you, okay? Take notes that way. But if you're trying to copy all this, you're going to get frustrated because I'm going to go too fast for you to copy it all. Just send me an email and I'll email it to you if you'd like later on this week, okay? Why does waiting happen? Several suggestions. Number one, because God's providence accomplishes many things. We serve a God who is active in our lives. He's active in history. And while God is providentially delivering his people or saving his people or blessing his people, there are a lot of other things that are happening at the same time. How do you put in perspective what God did with Joseph in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, when he was able to look at, look back at his life and only then say, you meant this to me for evil, but God meant it for good. Or Esther chapter 4, verse 14, where Mordecai said to Esther, who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God and his providence is doing a lot of things that's not just about you and it's not just about me. And so a lot of times we have to wait because God is accomplishing a lot. What are some things specifically that God might well be accomplishing in our lives? Maybe in our lives we are in a holding pattern, just like a plane that approaches the airport and has to circle the airport because there's a storm or maybe because the runway's blocked, something like that. There's danger ahead. It's not time to land just yet. Jesus said to his apostles in John 16, verse 12, many more things I have to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. And that statement fascinates me because what Jesus understood about his apostles was there's a lot of information and truth that they need, but they can't handle it at this point. And it may well be sometimes in our lives that the reason we have to wait is because God has promised us that he's not going to be, allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, a reason why waiting happens. Sometimes it builds endurance. You think about waiting if you're lifting weights and you hold a weight suspended, it's going to build some endurance in your muscles. If you hold it suspended, it's going to help those muscle fibers to stretch and to grow. It's going to help you to be prepared to, weigh, to lift even more weight later on. And I believe the Hebrews writer was alluding to this in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 36, when he told his brethren... You need to remember what you were going through. You need to remember what you've already endured. And then you need to endure this present challenge that you're facing because the things that you've already endured, it's not going to mean anything 
if you give up on Christianity, if you give up on your hope now, you have need of endurance. And sometimes waiting happens just for that reason. Here's another reason why we need to wait or why it's why it happens. Because fast isn't always better. I know in Katy, Texas in 2020, it feels like it has been an eternity since all the things that have happened this year began. And it feels like we've just been waiting forever for the pandemic to end, for things to get back to normal. Sometimes fast isn't necessarily better. God can be doing a lot of things while we're waiting. Think about Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And sometimes what we're waiting for is the harvest of the seeds that we're sowing. Sometimes that's all it's about, waiting for the harvest to be brought forth. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Sometimes fast is not necessarily better. Another reason why waiting happens, because there are opportunities that are made available to us while we're on the way. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, just for a moment. Look at Jesus and his ministry. Mark chapter 5, and if you'll notice, Mark chapter 5, by the way, was one of the busiest days in the life of Christ, I believe. I believe Jesus accomplished so much in Mark chapter 5, he must have slept and he must have slept deeply at the end of this particular day. But in Mark chapter 5, someone comes to him and begs him in Mark 5 verse 23 and says, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, Jesus, Mark 5 23, so that she may be healed and she will live. And then Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And while he was on the way to heal this little girl who was sick, by the way, she later died and he raised her from the dead. While Jesus was on the way to that, something else happened. A woman with an issue of blood reached out in the crowd and touched the hem of his garment and she was healed. And Jesus had to stop and talk to her and visit with her about the miracle that had happened in her life. And all I'm saying is, Sometimes while we're waiting for the thing that we want and the thing that really concerns us, there are other opportunities that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't been on the way somewhere else. You know, I think about this year and I think about some of the blessings that God has put in our path as a congregation. One of the things that has really surprised me is how many people from all over the country and literally all over the world have written to us, have expressed to us that they're thankful for the live stream ministry of the Katy congregation. Because there are a lot of congregations around the world that just don't have the capabilities technically to do some of the things that we're able to do. And you know what else? I hear from fairly frequently people who are not members of the Lord's church who don't have the opportunity to come and to be with us because they live off somewhere else, but they're tuning in. Your family members, your friends, your loved ones, and they're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so while we're waiting for things to get back to normal, while we're waiting for things to be different and be what we are used to, there are blessings along the way, aren't there? In 1 Corinthians 16, 9, Paul said this, A great and effective door is open to me, and there are many adversaries. 
One of the things that tells us is that when we see many adversaries, we ought to be looking for doors of opportunity as well. Why does waiting happen? Because it reminds us how much we need God. The world out there, you know what they're waiting for? They're waiting for the vaccine. That's what they're waiting for. We're waiting for the vaccine. As soon as that comes, that's going to save us. That's going to help us. That's going to fix everything. Waiting reminds us, brothers and sisters and friends, as Christians, how much we need God. You got your Bible? Look at 2 Chronicles. That's not a book you've probably read a great deal recently. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 12. A man named Jehoshaphat was king, and they were being threatened. The Israelites were being threatened by enemies. And Jehoshaphat prayed one of the greatest prayers anywhere in the Bible. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, look, if you would, at what he says in verse 12. 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 12. And think about the implications of this when it comes to our lives. Oh, my God, oh, our God, he says, will you not judge our enemies? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's what people today need. Don't know when this is going to be over. Don't know when I'm going to have answers of prayers and fulfillment of promises. And I don't know when that loved one of mine is going to obey and turn back to God. But my eyes are on you, God. I've done everything else I know to do. My eyes are watching you. Why does waiting happen? Because God is giving others opportunities to obey. In 2 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish. He wants all to come to repentance. And that's the reason why the Lord hasn't returned yet. Did you know that? That's the reason why Jesus has not yet come. 2 Peter 3, 9 answers the question. Because God's not willing that anyone should perish. He wants people to turn back to him in faith and obey the gospel. Why does waiting happen? Because it helps shape our character and it helps take off our rough edges. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your precepts. There's something about affliction. There's something about difficulty. There's something about having to wait that helps to mold and shape us. And that's worth thinking about in times like these. Those are several reasons, several suggestions why waiting might happen in our lives. But let's think about this secondly. Some people in the Bible who had to wait, this is going to go a little more quickly. People in the Bible who had to wait. Allow me to introduce to you Abraham. God told Abraham, I'm going to give you and Sarah a son, I promise. And that son is going to be the seed that becomes the father of many nations. Abraham, in this seed, I'm going to bless all the nations. You know how long Abraham had to wait for God to fulfill that promise? 25 years. Read Genesis and see if that's not accurate. Let me introduce you to Joseph. Brothers sold him into slavery. Later he was made a prisoner, not because he did anything wrong, because he was falsely accused. And for 17 years he languished in slavery first and then in prison second because God works on a long timeline, much longer than we're sometimes comfortable with. Allow me to introduce to you Moses. 
40 years he grew up in Egypt, had access to great education, great wealth. But then when he murdered the Egyptian, he had to flee to the land of Midian. And for the next 40 years of his life, from age 40 to age 80, Moses did nothing but lead a bunch of dirty, dusty sheep around a bunch of rocks out in the desert. That's what Moses did for 40 years of his life. And we think of him as a man of faith and a man of devotion and a man of leadership. But he spent 40 years, four decades. Many of us are not even that old. He spent that much time waiting, waiting for God. People who had to wait, Caleb. Caleb was one of the two spies that said, we can take the land. He and Joshua, Numbers chapter 13. We can take the land, but the ten spies said, oh, no, those are, those are giants in the land. We can't take that land. And so Caleb and Joshua became the only two Israelites to leave Egypt that actually made it to the land of promise. How long did they have to wait before they got to go to the land of promise? Forty years because of the disobedience of their brethren waiting on God. How about David. God anointed David through Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And yet it wasn't for 20 more years that David finally became king. He had to wait. And a lot of that time Saul was chasing him and trying to kill him. Because he was jealous and envious that David was God's anointed. People who had to wait. And even think about our Lord. He had the most important mission of any human that was ever born, anybody who's ever come into this world, Jesus, the divine Son of God, came into this world and had the most important mission in life of anybody. And he waited until he was age 30 before he began. That's fascinating to me. There are a lot of people in Scripture that had to wait, and they didn't just have to wait a few months they waited for years and often decades before God was ready to use them for his purposes. Something to reflect on. Number three this evening. Attitudes when we're waiting. Don't pay the tuition and fail the course. Because waiting on God is a required course in the school, the curriculum of faith. Guess what? You're going to take the course. It's a prerequisite. It's required. It has to happen in your life. Don't pay the tuition of waiting on God and then fail the course. That's ridiculous. That's not right. Don't do it. And the way that you learn from this course is by having the proper attitudes while we're waiting. I'd like to share with you about three attitudes to consider. Attitude number one, brothers and sisters and friends, we are to wait on God himself, not our preconceived solutions. Sometimes when we're praying, sometimes when we're planning, sometimes when we're looking forward to something, we get in our minds what the solution is going to be. We think we know exactly how things are going to work out in the future. And if God has specified something, that's fine. Make your plans. But if God's word has not spoken concerning what our solution is, we need to keep it in mind that this is subject to change by God's will. We're waiting for God. We're waiting on him to deliver. We're waiting on him to bless. We're waiting on him to solve and to deliver. That's what we're waiting on. God. Psalm 130 verse 6. The psalmist writes, 
My soul waits for the Lord more than from the watchman of the morning, more than watchman for the morning. Those watchmen on the towers were watching for enemies at night, watching for all kinds of ungodly, unholy things, and they were looking forward to the morning when they could actually go home and the city would be safe again. My soul waits for the Lord even more than that. Psalm 37, verse 7, the psalmist says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Stop your worrying, stop your anxiety, wait for the Lord. That's the attitude. We're to wait on God himself. Attitude number two, we're to wait on God with stillness, with hope, and with confidence. You might say it this way, we're to wait on God with some optimism because of the God we serve and because of the promises he's made to us. Lamentations 3.26 As the Lamentations writer was mourning over the death of the the, the demise of Jerusalem, he said, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And in Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. I'm reading and trusting the promises of God while I wait. Micah chapter 7, verse 7 You'll notice, by the way, these are from the Old Testament, these references. There is a great deal of information in the Old Testament about waiting on God. Well worthy of your study. Micah 7, 7, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. What's your attitude as you wait? Number three, attitudes when we're waiting. We are to wait on God through prayer and holding on to his promises. Prayer and the promises of God, those two things go together. That's faith. Prayer and the promises of God. Isaiah 33, verse 2, Isaiah writes, O Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning, our salvation, the time of trouble. Lamentations 3:25. the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. I'm waiting because I trust in God's promises and his goodness. I'm waiting because I'm being prayerful. You know, waiting on God, really, it's about doing everything that you know to do by faith. It's about doing all the things that God's commanded us to do. And then once you've done everything you know to do, everything you can do, then you just put these things in God's hands and you say, God, we're waiting on you. Our eyes are watching you. And we're going to wait in stillness, and we're going to wait in confidence, and we're going to wait in hope. And even though the storms around us rage, and even though the difficulties of life seem to overwhelm us at times, God, our hope and our trust is in you because you've never failed, and we know you won't fail us this time. Prayer and holding on to his promises. There are some promises and blessings that are promised that are given to those who wait on God. I want you to consider four of them very briefly. For people who choose to wait on God, number one, God is gracious to those who wait on Him. God's gracious to those who wait on Him. Allow me to prove that. Isaiah 30, verse 18. The Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore He exalts Himself to show mercy to you, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for Him. 
You know, a lot of times when you read the Old Testament, what people were waiting for was justice. They were waiting for somebody to make the world right. They were waiting for somebody to make that which was unfair, fair again. And many of the waiting on the Lord passages, they really had to do with justice, and they had to do with oppression, and they had to do with marginalization, those kinds of things. And the Bible promises that God is gracious to those who wait for Him, who wait for Him. Promises to those who wait on God. Secondly, God strengthens those who wait on Him. This was a scripture reading that Sean wrote, read for us a little while ago. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Famous passage. Some of us probably have a placard in our homes, you know, with Isaiah 40, verse 31 on the wall somewhere. Beautiful, poetic language. Listen to what the promise is, though. They who wait for the Lord, that's what we're talking about tonight, shall renew their strength. That's the promise. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And then there are three expressions that are worthy of your thinking. They shall mount up or soar with wings as eagles, some translations say. Second, they shall run and not be weary. Third, they shall walk and not faint. It was a long time after I first heard that verse and fell in love with it that I finally figured out what that verse is saying. Sometimes... Life is grand and we are soaring like the eagles. And if you're waiting on the Lord and you're soaring like the eagles, boy, life is wonderful. But that's not always our experience. Sometimes you're running and you're running and you're running and you wonder if you've got enough stamina to keep on running. And guess what? Those who wait on the Lord are going to have enough strength to run as far as they need to run. But then there's a third consideration in that verse. Sometimes all you can do is walk. That's it. Can't go faster than a walk. But Lord, don't you understand how important it is for me to move faster? They shall walk and not faint. And sometimes in our lives, the fastest pace that we can reach is a walk. Keep waiting on the Lord. Because he strengthens those who wait on him. Promise number three. God saves those who wait on him. Listen to the scripture. Proverbs 20 verse 22. Do not say I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. Another one of those justice and oppression type passages in the Old Testament. I'm going to take matters into my hand. I'm going to give that person a piece of my mind. I'm going to make this right. I'm going to fix this problem. I'm going to change the world. No, God says, wait for me. You be a person of faith. You walk with me. You stand by me and have the kind of influence on people that I want my children to have on others. And I'll deliver you. God saves those who wait on him. Isaiah 25 verse 9 it will be said on that day behold this is our God we have waited for him that he might save us this is the Lord we have waited for him let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation and then promise number four those who wait on him will not be ashamed those of you who are older and remember dating you ever been stood up you ever have somebody tell you that they were going to meet you at a restaurant and 
you go and you sit there and the waiter brings you your water and you say, I'm, I'm just going to wait a little while before I order. I'm waiting on somebody. And that person, 15 minutes goes by, 30 minutes goes by, that person never shows up. How do you feel? How do you feel when you're sitting there in the restaurant and the person that you're waiting on never arrives? Feel embarrassed? You feel ashamed? Those who wait on God will never be ashamed. Psalm 25, verse 3. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Those who are wantonly treacherous shall be ashamed. God always shows up. He never fails. But there's a lot he's trying to accomplish in our lives. And if we would stop, stop with all the craziness that's going on around us, and if we would just think for a few moments about what it means in our present day, in our present age, to wait on the Lord. Imagine what we could learn from this course that we're taking. Imagine the results and the change and the transformation in our lives to help make us more like Christ if we'd simply do what God's Word has challenged us to do all along, to wait on God. Maybe you're wanting to obey the gospel tonight. You know that you need to be a New Testament Christian. Don't wait any longer to make that decision. Put Christ on in baptism. That's how somebody comes from being lost to being saved. By trusting in Jesus as the Savior, by repenting of your sins, by confessing that He is the Son of God, not ashamed of Him, by being baptized. That's how you become a New Testament Christian. And if you want to do that this evening, we'd be more than happy, thrilled to help you with that decision. Maybe you need to respond because you want to ask for prayers. All of us, we're here to encourage each other. We're here to build each other up. But most of all, we're here because we want to wait on God with our lives. Because we believe He's worth waiting on. If you need to respond to Heaven's invitation, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing?